Hi, welcome to my podcast, Articulate. My name is Divya Sharma, and I have started this podcast to bring together students and tutors of art from all over the world to create a community by talking with them about their backgrounds, their art practices, their inspirations, and experiences that they would like to share. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to a wonderful artist called Vana Tanvi. She is an associate professor of Kalabhavan, which is a the art institute of um, Shantiniketan, which is one of the oldest and most premier art institutes of India today. It was started um, in a um, hundred years ago and started by our very own Nobel laureate of literature, Rabindranath Tagore. Vana uh, Tanvi is a a uh, fiber artist and uh, textile fiber artist and she is also um, completing her PhD from the Center of Exact Humanities. She is a philosopher, a thinker, artist, all into all rolled into one and um, I think we will learn a lot from her. Hi Vanatanbi, how are you? Hello, I'm fine. How are you? So uh, I think you are um, also in lockdown in India and Calcutta. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. So um, thanks for um, agreeing to be um, a guest for my podcast today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So why don't you tell our listeners a bit about yourself uh, and uh, uh, and your, in relation to your art? Um, about myself, uh, since childhood, uh, I used to imagine myself uh, somewhere isolated uh-huh. so whenever I used to study somewhere either uh, on a chair or on the floor I used to get into a corner mm-hmm. so I don't know that was something very intuitive in my childhood and uh, gradually uh, when I started thinking about uh, the world of art uh, that uh, I don't know why but Shantinigatan used to come into my mind uh, probably my grandparents, they used to talk about it, and my uh, grandfather, mm-hmm. who was an inspiration in my childhood, mm-hmm. that he used to uh, write a lot about me and for me, and also he used to uh, paint for me. So I was an admirer of his creativity. I see. So that, that was probably the beginning of uh, my getting into Shantiniketan. Mm-hmm. And then I went to uh, a teacher while studying in the school. And uh, he was very much interested, probably more than me, that uh, I shouldn't pursue the general stream. Mm-hmm. Instead of pursuing the general stream, I should get into uh, an art school. Mm-hmm. And also he wanted me to come to only to Shantiniketan. Fantastic. Uh, so he could convince my parents very well, so that I come to Shantiniketan. So um, it's good that your um, uh, family fostered your art and saw your potential, but did they need convincing so that you should study art or wasn't it a natural progression to go into art? Did they need to be convinced that um, you should uh, practice art and not something else? Yeah, to some extent, uh-huh. uh, they had to be convinced actually. And my uh, the first teacher who could convince them uh, that she could probably do something different 
if you if you allow her to pursue art like you said that uh, you are from a city which is uh, very science oriented because they have a Insti- indian institute of uh, technology yes yes, yes. so the yeah. the whole yeah. uh, place is geared towards getting into a, um, and because getting admission in that institute is so difficult everybody's practicing maths and yeah. physics and so that's amazing so um so what kind of um um art practice do you have what is what is it that you do i know that you're a textile fiber artist um but yeah. could you explain a little more about um what type of fibers what type of uh, is it weaving or is it what is it that you do see you know when i first came to shantiniketan uh because we uh, never had uh, any art streams mm-hmm. uh in the school but mm-hmm. i um learned music I see. In fact, I learned classical music because in our family, uh, almost each member were involved into music. Mm-hmm. So, including my uh, grandfather, my father, my mother, and my aunts, all all of them were there. Mm-hmm. But not into the visual art practice. I see. And also in school, uh, we used to have uh, the competitions, but I was never interested into get into any kind of a competition. so uh i started with drawing and painting mm-hmm. and uh, i always thought of taking painting as my specialization when i came to shantiniketan right but in our time uh, there was a preparatory course for 2 years mm-hmm. which is now for 1 year it's like a foundation so, here yeah foundation course yeah mm-hmm. we had for 2 years mm-hmm. so in those two years we used to work in each department i mean except the art history because art history was common for all the departments mm-hmm. uh but in second year just before uh, the selection of a stream uh, then i was in dilemma because uh, i saw some of uh, my seniors work in textile which is very interesting it's caught my eyes mm. then i thought that okay this is something uh, different mm-hmm. so i was in dilemma whether to take painting or textile or art history and finally i chose textile because uh, i thought that there is a possibility because uh, in when i'm painting i am just uh, getting the ready made pigments from market and expressing myself in uh, different various ways but in textile what caught my eyes is like i can uh, create something you know create in a sense that if i uh, want a fabric that has to be created mm-hmm. and if i want a color if i don't want a ready made color i have to learn how to make a color and uh, then also ha- i need to know the process of dyeing and also need to know the process of printing so it's like you know there are <clears throat> many steps what you are moving one after another one after another yes. so i uh, got into this thing the process of developing a design okay and which is uh, specifically textile but uh, uh, now i i know that Mm, how it was so helpful that it is now it is helping me to even think about uh, any form of art or helping me to understand any form of art because 
it is where the process itself is so important and so vibrant i see so did you learn uh, even how to weave the cloth or is it um, yes of course yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay um so how long was this course in shantiniketan for the ba uh for bfa actually the course was for 5 years oh it's 5 years not 3 uh, okay 5 years mm-hmm. now it is 4 years but mm-hmm. in our time it was 5 years mm-hmm. and mfa for 2 years i mean the masters for 2 years so total 7 years so and uh, i fortunately i got the national scholarship after completion of my masters so i had even a chance to extend my stay in shantiniketan for one more year fantastic so you continue yeah. to um, stay in shantiniketan because you are teaching now isn't it no uh, in between i took a leave because that was that i decided actually that mm-hmm. i shouldn't uh, continue staying in shantiniketan only mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i also need to experience the external world and what all things are happening in the world of art and design Mm-hmm. So my first move was to <coughs> Ahmedabad, the National Institute of Design, as uh, and uh, research associate. I see. So I was working. I worked there for very uh, short time, just mm-hmm. only for three months mm-hmm. uh, as a research associate, and then I came back to Calcutta because I was committed to a. gallery and uh, i had a setup in calcutta mm-hmm. for my work so i stayed uh, one year or more i mean around two years in calcutta mm-hmm. and i was working uh, with some projects uh, as a designer so after that i moved to hyderabad because uh, i got the chance uh, in center for exact humanities to pursue my phd and also i joined as a lecturer at triple it oh triple it is itself yeah i yeah, see yeah so um i have so many questions about that now one is the center for exact humanities second is the your phd project so uh, why don't you let us know a little bit more about this um, institute which has this really peculiar name center for exact humanities what is it about and how is it that it's part of a uh, technology it's a part of a larger technology institute isn't it it has um, nothing to do with um, with science as um, as such on its own because it talks about <coughs> philosophy and uh, um non scientific topics but it is part of the scientific institute so how did that come about yeah so first thing is the triple uh, it is a research institute mm-hmm. uh when they were thinking of uh, as far as i know when they were thinking of having a uh center uh, of humanities mm-hmm. so <clears throat> the center for exact humanities actually started uh, in 2008 and by professor abjyoti singh mm-hmm. uh he was the founder of center for exact humanities right and he wanted to start a de novo uh research mm-hmm. and he wanted to bring uh, many streams i mean many disciplines many ideas together so it was a kind of an interdisciplinary uh space for different kind of practices and thinking right so 
there were people uh, actually working on the uh, different areas of Indian Western Buddhist philosophies and the Indian traditional systems, mm-hmm. dance, uh, music, painting, and uh, cinema, all, all these areas. And uh, they also had an idea to incorporate uh, different uh, art faculties mm-hmm. to the students of engineering because, you know, uh, when, uh, when a child is preparing for the uh, entrance exams, you know, the kind of pressure they go through. Absolutely. And the, and the kind of system they are bound to live with. Mm. So uh, there was an idea to give them a breathing space. Mm. So all these art courses, actually, uh, they were conceived with this idea that uh, the students should have or should get a space to uh, spend some time on their own and a space of creation should be given to them mm-hmm. so that they are able to imagine something. Right. And right. Uh, because, you know, in any kind of uh, a research institute, you need to get into a lot of different ideas. Mm. But uh, how will the, all those ideas uh, will be generated? Mm from time to time, you know, Mm. unless until you have a sufficient space for that. Mm. So these art courses were created for that, to develop that. Mm -hmm. But it's not a course for uh, recreation. Mm. You know, this is is a course what you, it's not for enjoyment. Mm. It's it's absolutely uh, a very um, kind of a, a creative space or uh, creative thinking, rather, it's, where it's, one one should go through a very uh, it's uh, I mean thorough practice and should be able to think about something uh, new or able to perceive something differently. It's so progressive, considering that in um, in the UK now, funding for arts is being reduced day by day because of um, all these economic problems, and they think that art is disconnected from uh, real life, you know, that, you know, it's more of a luxury. But what you are saying is that art, by doing um, art, you're kind of enhancing your skills in in coping with, in in building your coping mechanisms, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, To deal with stresses in life. That's one way of looking at it. So uh, what about your PhD uh, thesis? I know that uh, it's more about the philosophy of art, is it? Um, if you can explain. Uh, it, is, it is more about the formal and philosophical understanding of arts, mm-hmm. all art forms in general. Mm-hmm. So my thesis actually deals with the, the foundations of arts mm-hmm. um, the, and the formal understanding of each art form. And I dealt speci- uh, specifically for, uh, I think, uh, eight to nine art forms. Right. I mean, the formal understanding uh, was developed. And uh, then the blending between sound and vision. Where, yeah, that's uh, interesting. A massive, yeah. massive, massive area has been worked out uh, to understand what is the, actually the problem between sound and vision. And... Uh, I studied uh, Ragmala painting to 
understand that. That's amazing. And Ragmala paintings are seventeenth century watercolor paintings, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's seventeen even little before than that, mm-hmm. late sixteenth centuries. Yeah. But we don't actually uh, we can't see those paintings. They're not <clears throat> available either. Even if they're available in the museums or with the museums, mm-hmm. uh, they don't generally allow to. <laughs> Uh, look at they're all paintings. archived because they are so delicate. They're no? archived. Yeah. yeah, they are delicate. Yeah. So, um, if you have to uh, make a connection with sound and uh, the ragamala, because ragamala paintings, will you explain to the listeners? It's based on the different um, ragas of music, isn't it? Of classical Indian music. Yeah. Yes. So ragas are um, are what uh, the foundations of Indian classical music. I don't know the in the English uh, uh, kind of uh, word to describe. No, you raga. know the the music has its own foundation mm-hmm. as a form, mm-hmm. as a uh, as a creative form. Music has its own form. Yeah. And in in music, and there are different ragas. Right. Uh, and uh, so ragmala paintings are based on those ragas. Yeah. So and different ragas. So in we have about seven schools, ragas or eight ragas, isn't it? Six main ragas, mm-hmm. and there are sons and daughters of ragas. So uh, there is a standard uh, set of thirty six rag and raginis. Yeah. So there is a standard set of ragmala paintings also of thirty six rag raginis, mm-hmm. and sometimes and somewhere it is also seventy two. It's also multiplied. Right. And and there are different schools of ragmala paintings. Mm-hmm. And there there were actually poets mm-hmm. uh, who used to write the dohas and chopais, which were actually sung. Mm-hmm. in the framework of the ragas right which were very important also to understand uh, ragmala painting the language of ragmala painting uh-huh so um did you did do you find enough material to research on um uh, the origin and how they did that and who were the actual poets and what was their um, you know ideas in bringing out this kind of form of painting yeah yeah i i mean uh, i tried my best uh, to actually study ragmala painting um, as much as possible in terms of its extension extensively mm. Mm. Uh, so i visited museums in india and there are a couple of museums in india which actually supported in terms of providing the images and the study material so but that took a lot of time mm. you know otherwise uh, i had a much more different plan also uh, in this thesis but actually i started this work in 2010 mm. but my actual research started from 2012 um so anyway this is uh, quite some time for this research but anyway i'll continue this so you I mean, were saying it doesn't mean that it's stopping here of course so you were saying something about synesthesia so you are also working with understanding the um, mixing of two senses two or more senses isn't it 
yeah so while trying to understand the blending between sound and vision mm-hmm. uh, it is also important to understand because we don't know whether the painters i mean it's also it's true that the, those paintings of ragmalas they were not uh, always painted by a single person ah. mostly uh, they, they were actually done uh, collectively mm-hmm. you know right so that's very important Uh, so we don't know actually whether they were synesthetic or not. Right. So uh, going. Uh, but the idea, the concept of synesthesia is important mm. in this case uh, because when <coughs> we are uh, thinking about the blending between uh, sound of vision. Mm. So primarily, in our primary senses, when we talk about touch, sound, vision, taste. etc <clears throat> smell and then in our perception uh, the sound and vision are very common yeah very common in terms of our imagination because uh, we utter a lot of sounds there may not be the physical sound but yeah. there uh, there should be uh, an underneath sound when we even we don't uh, actually um, could hear anything from what one is saying so do you actually you know, um, because we talk to ourselves mm mm-hmm. so do you are, are you also seeing um works of current contemporary artists who are working with the ideas that you are kind of working with do you even um, look at um the work of uh, people who are working with sound and uh, who are Mm, trying to understand the relationship between have you ever come across contemporary artists? No, no. Yeah, I have. I have seen uh, people working with sound and uh, music. There are a lot of works have been done and still going on. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there are a lot of things done on Ragmala painting. Mm. But there was there is no work uh, from this theoretical perspective. on the blending between sound and vision right. see you know uh, the interpretation of a sound or interpretation or the represent, representation of a uh, uh, music is very different from the uh, experience of visual and sonic compositions mm-hmm. you know these two things are very it's it's not like that that i'm listening to something and painting with that experience it's not like that because here in in case of ragmala paintings there are dohas written on the ragmala paintings and also for the rag raginis so each raga they may be sung differently in different uh, places or in the voice of different people uh, that is fine but the structure the construction is the raga can't be changed you know mm. and the painting if it is constructed if it is based on a particular raga you know in whichever way you paint the raga but the structure has to be same mm. but i do not see that in terms of a representation of a raga i see okay it's a recreation of the raga one can see ah. you you are recreating the same thing you know uh, for example and you can if, make many if, such recreations yes mm-hmm. if you were singing if you were uh, singing yaman 
raga yaman mm. so you can discover raga yaman in i mean whatever times i mean it doesn't matter to you that how many times you are singing the same raga because every time you are singing the raga you are discovering something new so same for the visuals same for the paintings can you uh, are you able to sing us one small tukda of rag yaman or something because <laughs> oh, no 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 sorry <laughs> i am not a... <laughs> you're not a singer okay let's move on from there so uh, i always um, i became an artist after moving to the west and i've always um, wondered about art schools in india what is the kind of um, art history that you refer to do you talk about art history in india or do you talk about art history across the world because here um, when you talk about art history it's very eurocentric it's very um, western oriented we'll hardly ever talk about any original work from apart from europe and uh, america so well, how is it uh, taught in indian um, art institutions in indian art institutions i can specifically talk about uh, kala bhavan shantiniketan yeah. uh, here actually it is uh, not it's not only restricted to indian art mm-hmm. indian art history it's the uh, world art history right yeah so because i mean that has to be there mm-hmm. unless until that is there because i mean the main idea of this university conceived by ravindranath tagore was to bring the entire world in a single nest you know yeah so unless you have this world view uh, a creative person cannot uh, explore but is there something called indian art history where if you want to try and understand where our current um, um style of art is coming from that you can dip into that and see that oh so this is the artist who uh, started this way of painting which is how uh, maybe yeah, yeah i can yeah, learn from yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah yes yes yeah that is there right so um can you say something more about that like you were saying something about freedom giving freedom to your um uh, students in um, in kala bhavan how important is that to um foster creativity the idea that you can literally uh take flights of imagination and do anything with your imagination and then come back to earth and make some form of art from it yeah see the <clears throat> the freedom when we talk about uh, art practice mm-hmm. this one thing is very essential is the freedom mm-hmm. so uh, when even when we um, practice uh, in case of the visual art practice suppose uh, for example maybe we are practicing or sketching something mm-hmm. or drawing something so it's like for music it's like uh, a rewards you were doing it for every day mm. it's like the practice right Discipline. so in in that way you are actually working on the skill the craft of doing something mm-hmm. or learning something right, right? so uh, in in this way the, the imagination i mean the art and the craft the recreation and the this skill they are not separated they they have to be together mm. uh, and to bring them together 
there has to be a sense of freedom yeah without having that sense of freedom yeah. the freeness the free, the freedom uh, in your mind freedom uh, in your hand in your sense organ and the motor organ when this freedom actually works together mm. in your sense organs and the motor organ mm-hmm. then only you can create something very special and uh, yeah uh, something very unique you know mm-hmm. because of that freedom but freedom i don't mean that freedom means uh, anywhere and anything the freedom has i mean should have a construction right it is based based on something mm-hmm. so and, and within that uh, base you are actually freely moving right you know uh, so, because uh, uh, if i talk about my mind what i am thinking mm. uh, who am i that's that's the question mm. who am i so if i just move little ahead of my thinking it's uh, i am not uh, only constituted by uh, a single being that is my understanding mm. because uh, i am made of many other person personalities yeah yeah of course right it's not a single one yeah so in from that perspective it's many it's mm. not one mm. so this manyness has to get into the idea of this oneness right in a person mm. that is the personality that is the persona what we are nurturing in a creative practice mm-hmm. so what are the kind of students you look for when you um um <coughs> admit students in shantiniketan what is it that um that you want um in an art student i know that they should be you said that they should be um able to um, have a healthy imagination what else are you looking for yeah we generally uh, in case of admission mm. uh, in 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 kalabhavan mm. uh, we look for a person a child who is uh, creative okay the creative approach is i mean should be there it shouldn't be like something um uh, over imposed on you and uh, practiced again and again it's not like something what i mean you were a child is coming to an institution getting into an institution yeah. uh, to learn something right mm. that approach should be there with a creative faculty okay No. but now it is there are many students coming from uh, different areas i mean suppose a student has gone into fashion designing or gone into uh, medical science or engineering mm. uh, so they are wanting to come back to oh yeah of course Fine. so is there um, is there a right or wrong when somebody is making art do you think personally mm-hmm. do you think there is a objective way of looking at artwork or i mean in 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 any other science scientific um, subject there is definite right and wrong but in terms of when somebody makes a piece of art do you feel that this can be um improved you were talking about creating a space a bridge between the spectator and yourself so yes. do you feel that if that bridge is not crossed that the artist has not been successful see it's both objective and subjective mm-hmm. i don't i don't say that it's only subjective and it's uh, not objective it's, no what it's i mean is because 
if the artist is not able to convey what they are able, what they want to say to the spectator is that does that mean that the artwork is a failure no no mm-hmm. it is not it's not a it's not a failure what i was talking about is uh, you know i learned one thing and i remember it very well when i went to a center for exact humanities mm. uh, then um, uh, my guide actually uh, wants it's not only to me to other students also mm. when i mean in a very good evening we were sitting and discussing about our courses and all mm. and he told us one thing uh, what's very important is uh, you people you people means who are practicing art or maybe so called artist mm. uh, you have to leave the privilege of being an artist mm. if you are able to do that then you have a very long way to move right a very long way to go but you'll have to leave this uh, the sense that i have a privilege of being an artist i'm above why? others because mm. yeah why because uh, suppose a person comes to me who is not an artist or may not be in the art fraternity uh, and uh, comes and ask me that uh, well what have you done i am not understanding anything what is the abstraction it's just uh, the uh, scribbling what i am seeing mm. or any just, child I mean, can do it I, i mean any any child can do yeah exactly right? yeah. Uh, what have you done and uh, uh, i mean and you are called you are so called an artist or something like that mm. so how would you address that person Mm. so one is i am an artist whatever i have done that is the absolute thing if you don't understand it is fine it's your problem right and the other way is i try to communicate what i have done with him to create a space for that poor fellow mm-hmm. uh that okay please uh, give your some time to understand what i have done right right because when a person goes and sees a uh, watch a movie do do we actually think uh, so much that why am i going to the theater hall and to watch that particular movie or why i'm listening to this music or when we are reading something whether we are understanding each and every word of that uh, piece of writing no it's not like that yeah. but why this question comes when in case of visual art Mm. so probably we need to create we need to bridge a space and we need to fill up the gap mm-hmm. between uh art practitioners and the society so if this bridge is filled up if we can um, make a bridge if this gap is filled up and then probably it will be more easier and we will be able to bring uh, a more artistic way of living in the society mm mm-hmm. where art is not something is alien to people yeah you know is is like i mean that is the reason probably uh, when a child is born and then uh, the parents start think thinking about whether that uh, child is going to be a doctor or engineer which is more popular mm. or scientist something like that there are very very few parents probably who think about that my child should be an artist yeah exactly so coming to about um talking about uh, being uh, it being a lifestyle i was thinking of our wonderful legacy of tribal art that we have what do you, how do you think 
we can um, reflect that as contemporary um, artists living in the city who are so different from the from the tribals who um, live such um, isolated lives is it is it wrong to um, get inspired by them and use some of their work in your art is it something that is, is like appropriation if you uh, if you get um, their art in your work no i mean it's you were saying uh, something about innocence and how they express themselves in that way because they don't know anything right else, right, mm. right right yeah uh, so <clears throat> it's not like that uh, bringing their work or there's something to our work mm. uh, see there is nothing wrong if i am inspired by someone else or if i'm inspired by a community or uh, by an ism or something like that mm. i can be inspired by anything mm. in the world right so that's fine but the point is how that inspiration is uh, nurturing or helping me to nurture my creative mind into my practice yeah that is more important you know so if suppose if we talk about uh, tribal art so tribal art is also way of life hmm yeah exactly right and they live so simply their their minds are so they they innocent it's not like always they're innocent or uh, the city people are not innocent i'm not discriminating that mm. but the thing is uh, the general environment where we are living the general ambience what has been created yeah and that that particular thing uh, has been carried forward from mm. generation after generation and that is how the indian craft practices over the period of time mm. has been carried forward right yeah so when it is carried forward from generation after generation that would be very different from the perspective of its ethos then how we in modern times are going to adapt them mm because the ethos we are living in and the ethos they have lived with yeah or they are still living yeah hmm yeah 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 they are different right <laughs> fantastic so um so where do we find you vanathanvi uh, if we have to see your work and uh, on social media do you have like a um website or a um uh, instagram or something that we can our listeners yeah, if they want to see your work yeah you know i'm a very lazy person <laughs> <laughs> i i i have been thinking about developing one website but uh, i haven't yet developed uh, but i have one portfolio mm-hmm. so that i can share with you okay and uh, i am not much into social media sometimes i do use of facebook but i do not actually upload uh, my works on facebook Mm-hmm. Uh so if uh, anyone wants to watch it I can share I mean that's not a problem 
Okay, so maybe through my Instagram and through this podcast, we can see some of your images and maybe uh, share your email so that they can write to you if they want yeah, to see. Yeah, email, email would be best. Is, yeah. yeah, email will be best. So thank you so much, Vanatanvi, for talking with me and uh, letting us know about insights, such wise insights about art philosophy. And, uh, and thanks again. Thank you too. <laughs> thanks. Bye. For giving me this opportunity. Thanks. Thanks.